Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Not so new anymore. No, yeah, we've been doing this for years. Yeah, doing the greatest discovery for years now, almost mid-season into lower decks. Yeah, feels great. Feels like we know this show top to bottom now. Yeah, we're creeping up on 20% of the way through our 23 weeks of new Star Trek. At what point did the endorphins kick in <laughs> and I and I stopped feeling pain? <laughs> Adam, you're just mad because you burned your chicken broth this morning. I have had an unpleasant morning. My house does smell like scorched chicken broth. So, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Things are going great. And by scorched chicken broth, what we mean is you were literally making chicken broth at home and it burned. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it sounds like a euphemism, you know? Yeah, I mean, I waited for my wife to leave and then... I knew it was making my own chicken broth time. Oh, she's done, huh? She walked out the door, never looking back. You want privacy for the chicken broth making. And I gave the chicken broth so much privacy that not even I paid attention to it. (laughs) And you can't do that. I've been making chicken broth for years. Man. This is like maybe maybe my 10th edition of chicken broth making. I uh, I take it all the way down to a demi glass, put it in in giant ice cube trays, uh-huh. and then freeze it. This is this is my uh, my bunker food. Yeah. So when we lose power, it'll it'll you'll still have it'll it. lose value entirely. <laughs> it's idiotic what I'm doing, but it's a compulsion. Every time we eat a whole chicken, I take those bones and I make the broth out of them. Gotta save those bones. Yeah. Well, I got nothing this time. Nothing but a ruined pot. Well, you put me onto this technology, and I well, I don't put it in ice cube trays. I, I just put it in like a like a squeeze bottle and keep it in the fridge. And I, you know, if I'm if I'm gonna toss some vegetables in olive oil to roast them or something, uh-huh. I'll just put a little squeeze of that stuff in there with it. Oh yeah, make some nice and nice and uh, umami. Maybe even two squeezes. Yeah. You know? If I'm, if I'm making some risotto, I don't need to bother. Any more than two squeezes and you're just playing with yourself. <laughs> That's why they call me a two-pump chump. Right. Yeah. You've never burned the broth, though. I've never burned the broth. So, th- I mean, yeah. you putting me onto this technology was something I really appreciated. And I was able to return the favor by... Encouraging you to get an induction burner to do this project because you can uh, you can set that temp just below boiling and you're never going to burn it. Well, as with everything, and I do mean everything, <laughs> uh, I I randomly hip you to something that not even you knew before, and then you do it better almost immediately. So, <laughs> That's it's a not, great feeling. That is not what I'm saying, Adam. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little irascible today. Like, I've had a couple of losses oh, this man. morning. I need to I need to get some wins going. I need to build a new streak. And maybe it's going to start right now, Ben. I would say that this episode of uh, Lower Decks should be perfectly capable of turning your mood around. We say it all the time. Uh, the podcast saves. 
the podcast saves even us. <laughs> so uh, so let's get the saving started. All right? Yeah, let's do it. With Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 4, Moist Vessel. Very sexy title, if you ask me. A lot of people don't like the word moist. I like it. Yeah. What's my hot take? I think it's good. Very classic next generation type story conceit right up top. Just yeah. ship full of mummies. Yeah, ship full of mummies. They found this generation ship that uh, was transporting a people and a material for these people to seed a, a new planet with life so that they can terraform it and inhabit it. This They refer to this material as terraforming emulsion mm-hmm. in the episode, but I think that uh, we can call it Genesis goo for our purposes. Sure. It seems like an extreme biohazard right up top. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love the uh, image of it falling on a tricorder and the tricorder turning into like a tentacle plant. Yeah, it's a good thing that one wasn't one of the kind with the purple stripes. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, that, that crew person would have been really pissed. Yeah, that's an expendable tricorder. Right. The the non-purple kind. Um, the Cerritos is doing this teamed up with another ship of the same class, the USS Merced, captained by a Tellarite, who's like an old friend slash rival of uh, captain of our ship. I'm not super hip to the Tellarites. It's evidently by Durango. Not all of them have horns. I thought the Tellarites had horns, at least most of them. Am I wrong? He's got little fangy teeth. Maybe he's not a Tellarite. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. No, I think you're right. I think you're very right. Tellarites are like a TOS species that we haven't really encountered in any of our TOS rewatching. The Tellarites from Disco definitely have horns. They are rugged looking. They look meaner than Klingons on Disco. Do you feel like Durango was hunted for his horns? Like some alien species used them for some sort of sex powder? (laughs) Yeah, it's the only way I can get hard anymore. Yeah. Got to have that horn of Tellarite to uh, (laughs) put some ink in your pen. Yeah. (laughs) Put some graphite in the old pencil. Yep. I love dust. I thought that it was very strange the way the captain's log sort of seamlessly bleeds into a mission briefing Mm -hmm. in a McLaughlin group. Issue one. Pretty elegant. We start with that as like a, as a voiceover. And then suddenly we're in, in the conference room with the captain talking to her crew. And this, uh, I mean, elegant is definitely one take, but I, (laughs) I, it felt to me like it kind of violated a rule of the captain's log, you know? Because it blurred the line between McLaughlin group and captain's log in a way that you personally found uncomfortable. Yeah, and I I feel like the... The captain's log is sacrosanct, says Benjamin <laughs> R. Harrison. Yeah, I mean, like the few times in TNG we saw people making logs were few and far between and often very awkward and personal feeling. Right. It is so much more often that we would hear the captain going like, Captain's log, start it. Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. We are en route to a diplomatic conference. And you never see him laying down the track, you know? You never see him, like, saying um and like and saying, like, blast, I have to go back and re-record that, like us. <laughs> well, we often talk about what is useful for character and what is useful for story, and this definitely seems like something that is more useful for story 
yeah. uh, to get us plugged into what's happening as soon as possible. And that's something that they do a ton of in this show. I mean, I feel like while it is a 22-minute cartoon, they often pack as many story beats as a full hour of TNG into an episode because the characters are all fast talkers and it really like gets ideas across with great efficiency because it can kind of lean on our knowledge of Star Trek in a way that TNG maybe couldn't as much. Right. Uh, Mariner is doing Mariner things in this McLaughlin group. Uh, namely, <laughs> she's bored out of her mind and she's physically bored. Is she, is she marinating, would you say? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably is. Oh, Adam, you're in such a bad mood. <laughs> yes, Ben, I have observed you've done a fun little idea. <laughs> Moving on. I'm sorry. I'm, I need to be a better co-host today. <laughs> We're going to get through this, buddy. <laughs> I mean, she, she is, like you, is doing a sort of hostile version of how tired she is. Yeah. She's inflicting her fatigue on other people. <laughs> she's, she's yawning at them, not with yeah. them, and making fun at them, not with them. One detail about the look here that I really liked was she's yawning so big that you could see her lower teeth. Yeah. Your crew doesn't appear to appreciate the gravity of our undertaking. Uh, this does not make a great impression with Captain Durango, who, you know, immediately starts questioning the captain on, like, what's what's the deal? Like, why do people that work on your ship treat you with such withering disrespect? After four episodes, I think we can now grasp that this is going to be a main story arc throughout the season, Right. The, right. the lack of respect that the captain gets and that the fleet shows toward the Cerritos. Put some respect on the captain, <laughs> crew of the Cerritos. Right. We get a yawn into theme this episode. Uh, the first time we've gotten one of those, uh-huh. maybe. Except did Riker yawn into theme in the episode where he was falling asleep all the time? Oh. I don't know. This may be the second time we've gotten one of those. I mean, it's better than a laurel to theme. Right. This, this episode's more Yanny. Yanny. Laurel. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm brightening up now. <laughs> keep doing that. <laughs> that thing you just did, keep doing that. <laughs> Ensign Mariner gets hauled into the ready room where her mom slash captain is rip shit pissed with her. And this is uh, setting up all the conflicts. It's a fun sequence because we get the version with the captain and her daughter, and then she gets dismissed, flashing sarcastic Vulcan fingers, and then enters Jack Ransom, where they basically recapitulate the conversation that was just had between mother and daughter, and then recapitulate it again, because <laughs> at first, Jack proposes uh, a solution to the problem, and then... Captain Freeman puts it into her own words, only slightly edited, and that becomes the uh, the rule of the land going forward. They're going to make it so that she'll want to transfer herself and not be transferred. It's sort of like, make them quit so you don't have to fire them kind of mentality. Right. They conspire to give all the worst jobs to Mariner. So we cut down to the hollow bunk beds and everybody's getting emails with their daily tasks assigned and 
pretty much everybody is excited. Do you think there are force fields outside of the bunks on those bunk beds? Mm. Oh, like in case you roll over in the middle of the night? It feels like uh, if you're a sleep roller, that would be good. But also if you're attacked while you're sleeping, it might be good to uh, keep you locked in there, maybe. Wow. Oh, like if, if the ship gets a banger dropped on it. Yeah, you don't want to be banged out of bed. I mean, not not while you're sleeping anyway. I have a theory about this that we'll get to eventually, Adam. Okay. Uh, well, don't give I, it away. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I, I'm going to tease it now so that people listen to later in the show when they get to my my banger theory. You know what? You told me about it before we got on mic that your banger theory might be the most controversial thought you've ever had. Oh yeah. On any greatest gen uh, family of products and easily. Wow. Honestly, I don't know if the Facebook group will stick with us after this banger theory. The Facebook group should dissolve anyway. (laughs) I hope that's the consequence. I like the configuration of people on the Facebook group. I just don't want them to use Facebook to do that. Then they transcend the physical realm and become a being of pure energy. The assignments are as follows. Ensign Boimler gets cleanup duty in the executive conference room. Mariner cleaning the holodeck, lubricating the elevators, and scraping carbon off of something. See, that's a that's a task that I avoided by just throwing my ruined pot into the trash. <laughs> I could have cleaned chicken carbon off of carbon, but no dice. Man, just completely kicked the entire pot. That's that's awful, man. What a mess. Feels pretty wasteful. Ah, well, uh, engine. Rutherford gets an assignment that he's like not that excited about. It's uh, monitoring fluctuations on the tractor beam, which I feel like I don't don't quite have Rutherford pinned yet because I feel like everybody knows that this is a tractor beam mission that they're on. Mm -hmm. So why isn't he more excited to be closer to the center of the mission? Like he doesn't seem to be like unambitious, like he loves his work, but he also doesn't seem to be trying to climb the way Ensign Boimler is. He has favorite fluctuations to monitor, and these just aren't them. Everyone has a favorite fluctuation. (laughs) Yeah. It's only natural. I've always said it's not the size of the fluctuation, it's the motion of the ocean. (laughs) Mm, You have said that. Yeah. You said it here. I did, yeah. Not (laughs) the last time. (laughs) I'm sure I will keep saying that as a catchphrase going forward. Rather than receiving uh, an assignment comparable to the others, Tendi is stoked to see a person become a being of pure energy. Yeah. This is a crew person named O'Connor, voiced by Haley Joel Osment. No kidding. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it doesn't seem like this is something that she's been told she must do, but something that she's excited that she gets to do. Right. So she goes and uh, attends this ascension ceremony where... This guy is uh, kind of performing the last meditation that he needs to perform in order to become this being of pure energy. And uh, she joins the circle sitting around his mandala that he's, you know, made out of colored sand on the floor of his apartment. And Tendi immediately is like way, way more disruptive than any of the other attendees. Do you think O'Connor needed to ask permission to ascend? Like, he's basically quitting his job. Right. How does he get to do this? Did he tender his resignation first? 
Yeah, I mean, did he put his com badge on on the captain's <laughs> desk before he went to put on the robes of ascension? Or is the Federation psyched? They're like, we've always wanted a man in the ether. <laughs> it could be you. <laughs> Tendi does not make a good impression here from jump because she enters mid-ceremony. Yeah. He can't do that. She's attendee and she's also an attendee. Yes. And she's late. <laughs> and she's making noise. She's talking during the ceremony. She gets up to admire this guy's gong. <gasps> A Zuchin gong? She knocks it over. It rolls through the mandala. She goes flat to try and stop it and just completely wipes the floor with the mandala. And here's my theory, Adam. Here, is, here it is. All right. <laughs> Lay it on me. He says he's been working on that thing for two years. That's just sand on the floor, Adam. That means the Cerritos hasn't had a banger of any appreciable amount dropped on it in two years. The Cerritos is a banger incel, it sounds like. <laughs> a banger-free environment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's my hot take. Uh, I know that it's pretty scorching hot, and I, I don't want people to... You know, I, I didn't come here to, to upset people. <laughs> no, but I, I have a feeling you just have. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sorry for that. It's, a, it's go fuck yourself at maxfunkenstein.sex is, <laughs> is how you can give feedback to Benjamin R. Harrison for that take. Wow. I think, uh, <laughs> I think Tendi has got to wait for the transformation to admire this guy's gong. This guy's going to be gone in a second. Yeah. And then the gong can be all yours. He's not going to care about it. Take the gong with you. This guy has no chill. The second the ceremony goes left, he he proves himself not to be on the verge of total enlightenment. He's fucking pissed. That's the thing. When you're like cresting into ascension, you do not want that interrupted. Yeah. If you stop before you fully ascend, it's going to take some work to get back up to to that Mm. place again. Sometimes... Sometimes you need to wait until the next day. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you got to go into your enlightenment refractory period. Yeah. And it can be painful if you stop right before, you know? Sometimes you just got to go into the next room and maybe ascend by yourself just to make sure that you can get that out. You don't want to go to bed having not been able to ascend. <laughs> <laughs> Never go to bed unascended. That's what people told us at our wedding. Here's what you want to do. Uh, you want to consummate the ascension uh, as soon as possible. Like yeah. maybe you can sneak off and do it mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. before the uh, before the reception's over. That way you don't have all that ascension pressure happening sure. while you're trying to entertain guests. And I mean, like on a big day like that, it makes sense. But also just like on Valentine's Day or whatever... Like Dan Savage says, ascend first. Ascend before dinner. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do that. You don't want a belly full of gach when you're trying to ascend. No, that's a that's a recipe for not ascending. I'll tell you that much. Uh, we get a little montage of Mariner's uh, experience of her shitty jobs. And she has a kind of Tom Sawyer approach after suffering through the holodeck and turbo lift elements of the of the plan she uh, she's doing the carbon scraping and she's uh doing it with a couple of other ensigns and they decide to sort of make it interesting turn it into a competition and commander ransom walks by the cargo bay where this is going down and notices that mariner has found a way to 
have a ton of fun, even when they give her shitty jobs. They are kind of giving the character of Jack Ransom a lot to do on Lower Decks. I thought he would be a real tertiary character. We, I feel like, know the bridge crew on this show better than we did at this point in season one of Discovery. Uh, completely agree. Yeah. We know, I think we know Ransom more than we know uh, Dowo. <laughs> totally. So they get the they get the project started. They start. I, I guess the the issue with this is that the the Genesis goo on the on the derelict spacecraft that they're going to be towing is a fairly volatile substance. So they're going to be. Oh, you think so, Doctor? <laughs> Both ships are going to be using tractor beams, and they've really got to finesse the the way they do it. I guess. Yeah, feels like a rarity we've ever gotten uh, two tractor beams, one generation ship. <laughs> It's a big lift. I mean, pretty upsetting to see, honestly. (laughs) Why did Rob have to pull that drop? (laughs) Rob just sues us. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, Uxbridge Shimoda, a company without an HR department. (laughs) Frankly, it's a company without departments. Tendi is clearly the type of person that pervades all of Star Trek, and it's this episode where we finally realize it. Hmm. Everyone, like the, the dream of the, of the great bird of the galaxy, Gene Roddenberry, <laughs> was that in the 24th century, everyone would get along. There would be no interpersonal conflict. This is a representation of that dream. This is the consequence yeah. of it, right? Tendi will do anything to make things right with someone that she has unintentionally wronged. And if that is your vision of the future, this is the sort of annoyance that a person has to deal with all the time, I bet. A person struggling to make it right in a hostile way. Right. Uh, that's what she does to O'Connor, the, the gentleman that was trying to get enlightened. What's the what is the rank between ensign and lieutenant? Because he's got a single solid pip and a single like gold band around a black pip. Because like two two solid golds and one rim means lieutenant commander, right? Is that lieutenant junior grade? That's what that is, right? Maybe that's what it is. You know what's fucked up is you're going to get more email over over the pip thing <laughs> than you got for your extremely hot like take. piping hot take about sand being left yeah. alone on the floor yeah. of the Cerritos. It is a good thing we don't read our emails. <laughs> uh, Tendi has an apology to offer, but she also has a solution to offer. She's brought a metronome that she suggests may be just the thing that this guy needs to get back up to just about to go over the waterfall of enlightenment inevitability it is i think i think tendy is right that the that the correct rhythm can often help you achieve <laughs> ascension yeah it's not always like the hardest and most vigorous too no not at all i think a lot of people make that mistake yeah <laughs> sometimes you get to enlightenment by being gentle Anyway, the gift-giving does not go well, Enterprise. This, this thing gets smashed in the doorway, and the doorway gets slammed in Tendi's face. So we've got our C story, got our A story. Our A story is that uh, the captain has come up with just the thing to scare Mariner off of her ship. What 
does Mariner abhor more than anything? Being of an elevated rank. Yeah. You don't want to put her on a deck above the lower deck. No. And that's the gift that the Pip gives because yeah. uh, the captain gets down on one knee with a little box, the box <laughs> with a Pip in it. said, will you be my lieutenant? Will you make me the luckiest captain <laughs> on this ship? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she jumps right over Lieutenant Junior Grade. She goes straight to two full pips and and then is forced into a McLaughlin group. Issue two. And uh, very unfortunately for him, Boimler is forced to watch all of this happen. L- L- Lieutenant! Boimler gets pip-cucked, doesn't he? <laughs> He's got to watch this whole thing. But then later, Boimler is like uh, taking a vacation on a captain's yacht, and he's got his pants unbuttoned, and mm. there's a little video that gets out on the internet, and it's kind of hard to explain, given his strident, anti-chillness stance. Right. I mean, once everyone knows how Boimler likes to ascend, uh, he becomes kind of a hypocrite. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty hard to maintain your position as the moral scold that you've made so much money being. It's so interesting to see the things that that used to provide so much comfort on TNG. Like, like there is comfort in these banalities, right? Like, the meetings and the poker game yeah. and all the rest. Like, those are things that I love about TNG. And... They are things that Mariner can just—they just bore her to death. Yeah, she she hates the uh, she hates the recital in ten forward. Right. She hates four card poker as much as I hate. Why are there four <laughs> cards in this poker game? <laughs> is this like The Simpsons? How they how they draw four fingers on the hands? Like, is that a, an animation thing? I wrote down in my notes. How pissed is Adam going to be about the way the poker game is depicted? Medium pissed. <laughs> because they also fold their hands by placing the cards down face up. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> they brutalized poker. Maybe this is space poker. You don't know how to play this game, Adam. Maybe that's the point, though. Maybe the Cerritos poker game fucking sucks compared to a Galaxy class poker game where they know how to do it. I mean, on the Galaxy-class ships, they're playing a, a pretty straight five-card draw with a couple of wild cards. Worf is complaining about the, you know, jokers being included in the deck or whatever. Yeah, they play a real grandma game on <laughs> on the Entrepreneur, and they play something that is not poker on the Cerritos. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Mariner's argument should be. They've never actually learned the rules of the game, but they've seen officers on better ships playing it. So they're like, I guess we have to sit around a green felt table and hold some cards and move chips around. I bet Dr. Katz would be pretty good at this game because she'd be able to mark her cards surreptitiously with a a cat claw. Oh, she's also got that kind of cat face that you could never really read, you know? Right. Can't tell if a cat's happier or what. Do cats even have the same kinds of feelings as we do? I mean, as a longtime person with a cat in their house, <laughs> uh, I can tell you, I, I don't, I don't know if they feel much of anything toward me or anyone else. <laughs> this all results in Mariner exhausted at the end of her day, uh, heading back to her fancy, spacious quarters and collapsing on her bed, where Boimler finds her. 
And he is so jealous, so consumed with jealousy that she gets her own room. She hates it. She wants to be with the cool kids on in the bunk bed hall. There have been times where, uh, for no reason at all, we've been on tour and one of us will, for some reason, get a really nice hotel room versus the other person at random. Yeah. I felt this, Boimler. <laughs> I felt this big time. How come Ben's getting the tub? And also like you, when she suggests that she would prefer the bunk bed, there's no way to trade. It's, it's a point of pride. Yeah. Once <laughs> once you put the bag on the bed, it's over. Yeah. Bed's basically infected. Yeah. I don't get it either, man. Bad is good. I don't know. Lieutenant Mariner, report to ops for review of scheduled ops. This triggers a beginning of something we don't quite get the end of. And it's what I'm going to call mirror Boimler. <laughs> like we uh we punch in on him and he gets like the uh the dark under lid of the eyes and he starts whispering to himself and making Ferengi hands like this has appeared to have broken Boimler. I'm excited about what chaos he will bring. In engineering, Tendi is still trying to convince O'Connor that uh that she can help him get back to the thing that he wants. I mean, she's basically throwing herself at him. I don't know why he's not more receptive to this. This line of dialogue at the end of this scene is something I really, uh, I really liked. Uh, I'll reiki you (laughs) (laughs) was the last line before the transition to the next scene. Reiki as a verb is fun. Yeah. I wonder if Ono, Ross, and Carrie have ever, uh, have ever reikied. I bet they have. They've done it all. They've done everything, Ben. It's a fun show. Jack puts his leg up on the captain's chair when flirting with the the tactical person in the next scene. (laughs) I love that. That's your ass if you get caught, though. Yeah. Yeah, the captain's not on the bridge, though. That's the kind of risk that somebody that likes to get pip cucked might enjoy taking, you know, like, because if you get caught, like, like the risk of getting caught is kind of part of the charge. I mean, for some people, that's the only way you can ascend. Yeah, yeah. So, so you wonder if Jack Ransom is is also somebody that would enjoy pip cuckoldry. Ascension is dependent on the position you're in. Mm-hmm. The uh, the captain on the other ship, Captain Durango, is uh, you know feeling the stiff competition being offered to him by Captain Freeman, and he decides that uh, in order to make the importance of his ship relative to the Cerritos known. He's going to position it closer to the derelict ship. And uh, in so doing, he uh, causes his tractor beam to start to peel away a piece of hull plating on, on this generation ship. Eventually, like they just pull it clean off and a bunch of Genesis goo starts flying up the beam at their ship. And because they've gotten so close, this uh, this cascades over to the Cerritos, which also gets a bunch of goo on it. And uh, I really like this effect. This felt like a, uh, I don't know, like almost like an Akira level, like explosion of goo effect. I did like going with it, you know, like sometimes you just get that one quarter angle of a ship as something happens. Yeah. But you're inside the terraforming liquid yeah. as it moves throughout space. It's really cool. I'm going to call it now. I think the shots of the ship's exteriors and their like semi-terraformed states, that's like the model I want to see at the next Star Trek Las Vegas. Great call. Like that looks cool as fuck. 
I think we're going to have different versions of the Cerritos in most episodes. There's the one with the the graffiti all yeah. over it from the last episode. There's the one yeah. with the the stones and the crystals poking through from this episode. That's a fun leitmotif. Yeah. Give me the phases of Cerritos collection. Absolutely. So at the 14-minute mark in this episode, shit goes totally pear-shaped. These two ships start to succumb to the Genesis goo. There's coral growing in the engine room. There's ice growing in the hallways, rocks and plants growing everywhere. There's human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. We kind of cut around as this as this crisis grips the ship. Tendi and o- O'Connor are are together and uh, you know yelling at each other. And Tendi finally admits like she really doesn't care about his ascension. Like whether or not he achieves ascension is not what she's in this for. She's just in this because she wants to be loved. Yeah, and uh, it turns out that was kind of what he was in it for too. He was he was uh, he was deceiving everybody. He he had sort of made himself ascension guy as in lieu of having a real personality that would allow him to stand out a little bit. He describes Starfleet as a kind of Ivy League where it's extremely difficult to distinguish yourself among everyone else. And boy, does that sound like the truth. Like it immediately turns him into a sympathetic character in that moment. How hard must it be to just be really great? Among other great people. Yeah. Those poor bastards. That's got to suck. <laughs> I mean, to also just to get into Starfleet, like we've seen that process depicted several times and the case is made that you have to be completely remarkable. But then once you're there, you you stop being remarkable, right? Because the... It's, yeah. It's one of the weird differences between Starfleet and the military, You know, like the military does not want your uniqueness to be a part of their institution. Starfleet kind of wants your uniqueness to be brought to bear for their benefit. But how difficult must it be when, I mean, when the the floor is so high? Well, a couple of guys like us are never going to find out what that's like. (laughs) Yeah, it's just pure speculation at this point. (laughs) Uh, the other uh, pair that we get is Ensign Mariner and Mama, the captain. Uh, and this turns into kind of a pressure cooker for their relationship to either completely break apart or find, you know, some bridge to repairing itself. And it kind of looks it kind of looks like hostilities are going to be too intense to overcome initially because, you know, Ensign Mariner is calling her. The captain, Carol, Mm -hmm. an act of grave disrespect. Carol, hold my hails. (laughs) (laughs) And the captain is like not letting Ensign Mariner be a person with agency. Like she's she's micromanaging the hell out of her. And you kind of get the sense that that's why Mariner is on this ship. Like her parents don't trust her to do adulthood on her own terms. It's condescending over protection. Right? Yeah. I don't know. That that conflict feels very familiar. Like I was a I was an overprotected kid for a long time and it's it's just incredibly frustrating to uh know that you are able to do more and then be micromanaged uh for years until you leave the house, you know? 
Yeah. But then you ascend and you're much happier. But then you ascend into a Star Trek podcast that, uh, <laughs> that both of your parents call a blog. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> everything's fine. Mariner and the captain make it to a transporter room where they're able to, you know, put some gas into the ship that causes the Genesis goo to, you know, to revert back to its orange liquid state. Classic gas solution, right? Yeah. Classic gas solution. An, an act of selflessness has caused uh, O'Connor to actually start to ascend. He like pushed Tendi out of the way of a falling rock and, uh, and that, that was the straw that broke the ascension camel's back. <laughs> This is a very funny scene to me because uh, it makes the case that ascending is actually bad. I love this scene also. I'm turning into pure energy! Why is it taking ah! so long? You know that it can't be pleasurable to make this kind of transition. <laughs> and so he goes through every stage of it and it's slow. It's so much slower than either of them expect. They're just <laughs> yeah. sitting in it. There's several beats to it. He like turns into a bird. It opens a portal above him where at the end of a long tunnel is a koala. I love the sound effect of his boots landing on the on the floor. That was really great work. Oh, man. Perfect. Very fun. I I wish this character hadn't ascended because I kind of thought it would be fun to have Tendi have like more than one romantic opportunity. Oh, yeah. In the next episode. Because it yeah. seemed like she was kind of on a collision course for that ass. <laughs> it's fucked up that O'Connor ascends first, though. Oh, yeah. Is the thing. Yeah, you you got to make sure that uh, everybody's going to ascend before you ascend. That's just being a giving lover. <laughs> lover? What are you talking about? Kind of. That's the kind of reputation you want, O'Connor. Yeah. His reputation's ruined forever. Because uh, he ascended first and publicly, and now he's mm. gone. <laughs> yeah, you can't stay in Starfleet after something like that. <laughs> no. So, uh, the problem of the Merced remains. It is covered with even more rock formations than the Cerritos. And so, uh, they beam the Merced's crew onto the generation ship for safekeeping and yeah. begin the cleanup of the Cerritos. And I love that a California-class starship breaks out the leaf blowers to, uh, <laughs> to clean up the mess. I feel like that was a very direct wink at the Californians in the audience <laughs> for whom there is no escape from the yeah. state bird. The Merced is totaled, and I kind of wonder if Captain Durango gets yeah. court-martialed for this. You got to feel bad pulling up to the starbase in the generation ship. And yeah. not your own. This series has maintained a bit of continuity from TNG, which is that there is always just a parade of random admirals. Yeah. There's there's never the same admiral twice so far. I love it. And uh, the scene where an admiral comes in and pins medals on Ensign Mariner and Captain Freeman's chests, and Ensign Mariner turns it into another opportunity to embarrass her mom. I'm going to look into the camera for this one. All right, there it is. Here's my hot take. Oh, shit. Anne Kim, writer of this episode, are you making fun of me with this admiral that doesn't pronounce things right? <laughs> I feel like not pronouncing things right has been my thing for many years. 
Yeah, that's your brand. I don't know, Ann Kim. I mean, I, I hope it's with love, this thing that you're doing. Yeah. I hope you're you're laughing with me and not at me. If only he'd said interrogate, then we'd know for sure. <laughs> Fun moment. Fun button on the episode. Yeah. Did you like the episode, Adam? This is maybe the episode with the most evidence that that this is Star Trek as a place, right? The secret sauce of this show right now it's is that it's written by people who have experience living a corporate employment lifestyle and they've transposed all of those conflicts onto uh, onto Star Trek yeah. as a place of business. Like Star Trek is a business. Right. It's office space on a spaceship. It's office spaceship. Right. <laughs> and I like the math of this episode in that it's a traditional problem experienced in an untraditional way, but solved in the traditional way. It's like that sandwich to a thing. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed it. One thing I noticed in this episode, maybe more than any other, is just how forward the score is. The score is great. And the score really propels the story forward and makes all of the action really exciting. I think I think the score is a main character on this show and it it really slaps. It's great. Yeah. It must have been hard to pick how to score this show because I'm sure that I'm sure that it wasn't obvious that that was the only way to go, you yeah. know. But uh, they did a great job with it. Yeah, and from what we know about how they're scoring Discovery, like they're having to take separate tracks from separate musicians and then pro tools them together like via submission to a dropbox or something damn it's insane speaking of needing a uh, a metronome <laughs> that sounds very hard what yeah. about you ben uh i really like the episode too um i uh i continue to enjoy lower decks you heard it here Couple of Star Trek podcasters who like Lower Decks. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I keep wondering when or if they're going to pick up like longer term story arc stuff. Mm-hmm. And it feels very light on that in a way that I appreciate right now. It feels like the shortest cut is the relationship version of what you're describing, right? All right. the relationships seem to be the potential relationships seem to be stopping either through ascension or indifference or whatever. Yeah. Or will they, won't they-ness. Yeah. But, but like, you know, I feel like there will be a change when everybody finds out who Mariner's mom is. And I thought for sure it would happen this episode in the, in the pinning scene, what that Boimler was present for. It seems like the Admiral would know that, right? Yeah. But think, I guess they don't have Facebook in the future. No wonder it's a fucking utopia. (laughs) Good for them. Yeah. Well, uh, no Facebook in the future, but in the present, we do have Priority One messages, Ben. Why don't we go check those out? Let's do it. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, we have one Priority One message today. It is from Will and General Ira. It is two four-color FODs everywhere. The message goes like this. A shout-out to the greatest group of comic fans... In all the FFU. <laughs> and that is the FOD Facebook universe. They put the FU in Facebook universe. <laughs> Listen to us just cap on Facebook and then and then get a Facebook-related Priority One message. Yeah. Message continues, the FOD's assemble subgroup. Where else can I read Kate's weird fanfic about Hawkeye or whatever? Where else does 
WAP mean where are pictures of Spider-Man <laughs> to loving comics and knowing what Swole Trek is all about. Oh, man. Yeah, so uh, so another another uh, friend of DeSoto Facebook group on the scene making a big announcement yeah. to uh, the friends of DeSoto at large. Another candidate for leaving Facebook and starting a group outside of it. Start your group elsewhere. We encourage it and give it our blessing. Um, this, I would say that Lower Decks is about as swole as Trek gets, right? Oh, yeah. A lot of buff hunks on Lower Decks. It gets swole and it stays swole until Ascension. <laughs> yeah. Then it gets real small. Well, if you'd like to leave a Priority One message on the show, we would really appreciate it. They uh, cost 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a promotional message. And both of those are great ways to get your, your message out and to help support The Greatest Discovery. Go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Set it up. Set it up. It's going to feel like ascension. You're going to love it. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below-the-kilt care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun and uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. 
Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself in Edward Larkin? I did. Uh, I'm going to give it to Shax for this episode. The uh, the Bajoran security man. There's a uh, shot when Ensign Mariner is on the roof of the turbo lift, uh, you know, with like a caulking gun of lube to, yeah. uh, to grease it up. And it just cuts to the hallway where Shax walks up to the... <laughs> door to the turbo lift and just like swipes aside a sign that says like ensign working in turbo shaft or something like that and uh i did i watched this episode twice and i did not notice that the first time but they just that like little bit of physical comedy of like get out of here sign really made me laugh that's dangerous in any job site yeah you want to mine the signs Shax is a bear he doesn't give one fuck about that sign (laughs) Uh, what's the rule for my Edward Larkins, Ben, for Lower Decks? There's one person, unless it is not that one person. That's right. It's it's Mariner, unless it isn't. And it's going to be Mariner this episode. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's going to be for the poker scene. I think I've I've never seen myself in a Star Trek character as much as I saw myself in Mariner at her incredulity about the idea of a friendly poker game. <laughs> like not betting into a person doesn't make it more friendly. Folding all the time doesn't make it more friendly. It makes it boring as hell. <laughs> I'm with you, Mariner. That poker game sucked. And I'm with the other characters who know that poker is super boring no matter how you play it. Hot take after hot take from Benjamin R. Harrison. Just sizzling today on The Greatest Discovery. I'm going to have to throw out the pan that, uh, <laughs> that we cooked those hot takes in. That thing yeah. is ruined. You won't even be able to use a phaser to get all the carbon scoring off of that nope. hot take pan. Yeah. Too, that's meat caramel down there, and it's not coming <laughs> out. Well, Adam, uh, I am hard as a rock, and I think I'd uh, I'd rather just shut this whole thing down and go ascend somewhere <laughs> off in a corner. What do you say we leave it with Rob's from here? Yeah. Oh, we got to talk about the next episode. Shit. We got to do that first. Well, good things come to those who wait. Turn on your metronome over there. <laughs> Try to keep it going as you uh, as you tell me and the rest of the FODs uh, what's coming up next week on Lower Decks. Next week's episode... It seems to be playing on the classic, I have a girlfriend, you haven't met her, she lives in Canada bit. Mm. Uh, I noticed some fun stuff in this uh, in this trailer. Of course, Boimler talking about a girlfriend and uh, Mariner accusing him of making her up, suggesting that 
for some reason they will have to meet her in the holodeck. But uh, I noticed that uh, when we do actually see the character of Boimler's girlfriend, it is on uh, the USS Vancouver. So, <laughs> Oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah, fun stuff. And uh, I'm really excited about next week's episode. If this episode subscribes to the math of every other sitcom where uh, people work in close quarters, uh, Mariner will be falling in love with Boimler this episode out of jealousy. (laughs) We'll see if that happens. Yeah, but she does seem kind of thirsty for Ransom, too. So who knows? Is Ransom going to put his leg up on that? (laughs) I have to find out. Ransom's jacked. Who's more jacked, Ransom or uh, or Shax? Hmm. I mean, they're they're jacked in different ways. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, depends on what you're into. Uh, but I'm into all of it, and I'm I'm gonna ascend if if I don't <laughs> get off the horn, and I don't want to do it on mic. Okay, I don't want to see that. Neither yeah. do neither does everyone who's watching at home. Yeah. So we're gonna leave it with Robs. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. The show is produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Adam Ragusea, who happens to have an incredibly popular cooking channel that you should probably all check out. It's on YouTube, and it's great. If you're looking for more Trek, check out some of our off-season episodes. We've covered comic books, had an interview with Anson Mount, we even covered some TOS episodes. There's a lot to discover. Don't forget, you can now follow us on Twitter and Instagram under the handles Greatest Trek. That account is run by the great Bill Tilly. We thank Bill, and we thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Greatest Discovery. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.